I'm not here to make like really cute, fun ads for no reason. I typically build out a spreadsheet and I measure every single individual element of a piece of creative. So I mean like, is there captions? How long is it? What's the CTA? Where physically on the ad is the CTA? And I measure all of these elements so that they inform each next piece of creative. Making weird scrappy content is way more difficult than making branded content. So you really just have to sort of like trust that that's what the platform requires and just like have fun with it too, which sounds really cliche, (laughs) but the more fun I have making up an ad and conceptualizing it while still looking at that data, the better it usually performs on TikTok. Did you know that the subscription market is predicted to grow to over $2.6 trillion by 2028? As a fast-growing area in commerce, subscriptions hold tremendous opportunities to build a community of customers who share your values. Recharge is the leading subscription management solution helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale subscription offerings. Recharge powers the growth for over 15,000 subscription merchants and their communities, turning one-time transactions into long-term customer relationships. Whether you're a direct-to-consumer business or an omni-channel brand, merchants who use Recharge are able to experience predictable revenue, increased customer loyalty, and higher average order values. So turn transactions into relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. Get started today with the subscriptions payment solution trusted by over 50 million consumers worldwide by heading over to rechargepayments.com forward slash DTC. It's all killer, no filler. The D2C Podcast. I'm Eric Dick, and today I am here with Spencer, our TikTok advertising lead at Pileos. And for her very first ever appearance, it's been a long time coming, Avery, our socials content manager, uh, welcome to All Killer No Filler, both of you. We're continuing our theme of Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Q4 prep, and this week our focus is on TikTok. Uh, we're going to put you in the seat of the marketing team preparing for Q4, thinking about what the hell they need to do on TikTok to create profitable returns at scale. And just in the pre-interview, we were talking about this idea of innovation versus sort of resting on what's worked before and how there may be this temptation in Q4 to kind of rest on what's worked and coast in with it, but how especially on a platform like TikTok, you always need to be thinking about innovating and especially during Q4. What would you say about that statement, uh, Spencer? Absolutely. I mean, it's always great to, to have like a bit of a base and like, well, our team is definitely that's why we test. We test so we can have like a base and then start to innovate off it. And like in terms of Q4 and especially on, on TikTok, heading into Q4, that innovation has just become more and more, it's been so much more prevalent that it's needed. And does it become the base too? Like because you innovate, it flashes up, you get these you get these great results that, that have that virality on the platform. And then it probably adds to the base incrementally as you kind of continue to test new things. Absolutely. And that comes back to like one note about like the platform of TikTok is that it's still extremely new. It's still so, so new. So like when we talk about, oh, we have like this, we have like our buying strategy that we found. It's now like our base. It's not like that's 100% the, the correct way to do it. And it's not like it's 100% the, uh, the wrong way to do it. It's just like that is what is working at, at the moment. And that's what we've tested for to be our base. And then we're trying to find that next level because TikTok is so new. There's so much more to find, so much more to learn. Like that's what we're, that's what we're thinking about. And like we test throughout these last quarters to like find that base. And if we just go into that with just that for Q4 and play it safe, it'd be good. We'd be very happy w- with it. But then we're looking for that next level. 
Interesting. Avery, can you give me an example of an innovation that like a specific innovation that we're kind of talking about here? Is it, are we talking about creative style specifically? Are we talking about campaign structures? What do you think of when you think of innovation? And give me an example. On the creative front, I sort of bring everything back, especially on TikTok, to like finding winning angles at the beginning and then getting as weird as possible with those angles. Um, so just figuring out like what actually sells the product and then like zooming my lens out a little bit and thinking like what is the weirdest possible way that I could explain this strategic advantage to someone and then always sort of like trying to one up that really weird idea that you have and just sort of as Spencer said like everything is so new on TikTok too and there's so many chances to like go viral and have this moment but you have to kind of just let yourself free fall into the weird of TikTok and just the innovation really comes down to like how weird can I get while still being tied to this like winning angle that I know will work like I know this sort of line is what actually sells the product but like what's the weirdest setting that I could like deliver that line in or like can I do it like swinging upside down for monkey bars like that's kind of the the creative side of that super interesting can you are there any examples you don't have to give me the brand specifically but is there an example of the kind of weirdness you're talking about that stayed within an angle Anytime you're spilling any kind of food on a product, um, that always is like super weird. I feel like that was like a surprising, just sort of like didn't think it would work, but it kind of did. Um, same with like really, I guess, sort of like text heavy, like sort of making a very relaxed video, but having like weird, wacky text walls. That also is something that I would never think would work on another platform, um, but works on TikTok. So having just sort of like eye-catching B-roll as well as a bunch of tech. So like partnering two really busy elements together, um, not something I would think would work, but yeah, it definitely will work on the platform. I like that. I, th- I think of these ads I keep seeing, and it'll tell you about my TikTok feed, but it's like for like these new nerf type weapons that you have these battles with your bros with apparently. And it's they all of their ads are just weird emotions that you might feel in the heat of battle. So like what things that you don't expect, the joy of winning, the, lo- the loss, they really just dig in on the emotions that you might feel during one of these nerf battles and they get super weird with it. And they, I've, I've watched a bunch of them because it's, I'm just like, what are they even saying here? How does this relate to a gun? But yeah, I see what you mean. And again, it's an entertainment platform, so the more you can entertain, and I think, Avery, your point about keeping it within the actual angles that sell is absolutely key because you could get totally random with it and then uh, not be able to probably lead to the sell and people just be like, what the fuck kind of thing. Yeah, you see a lot of that where, like, especially if you're not tied to an angle and just sort of, like, hopping onto different trends and trying to, like, catch lightning in a bottle, that's where you see ads that just, like, don't work and obviously flop and don't get you interested as a user. Um, Because you're just trying to like fit into that angle rather than like stay true to what actually works. It's so it takes me back to my like early performance marketing days as an affiliate marketer. And that's that's the way it would work. It's like figure out an offer and an angle and a trend. And then like within a couple of weeks or whatever, you'd probably have, you know, 100 copycats on that exact situation. And then your you know quality goes down from what you're doing. And so you really do have to find a way to make yourself an innovator. I think if you because you're I think as um, Spencer said there, you can coast on coattails. You can coast on what's worked in the past. You can coast. You can kind of continue to jump on trends. And the quicker you get on it, the better results you might have. But you're really going to do better when you're actually, you know, as close to that setting the trend as possible, if not setting it yourself. Yeah, 100%. And a little note on, on that as well. Just imagine how many brands are just coming on board for the first time here during Q4 that right away they're just like, cool, let's see if we can test out, you know, this we've seen this, that's worked, this that we've seen that's worked. And then they're really just kind of like, like you said, coasting on, on the coattails of, of others. And then also they don't want to go too crazy because they don't actually know what, what works quite yet. 
So if you were already on, on TikTok or you're wanting to like start up for the first time and kind of get your feet under you for Q4 and then really get running around Black Friday, Cyber Monday, those big, big days that, that we, all, uh, we all anticipate and that we're all excited for, it's about finding that base very quickly. Pilot House is, uh, obviously has a, the experience from you know past Black Friday and through, through, through this year to like have that base. And then we're pretty much looking to stand out from that crowd, whether it be with our buying strategy or like Avery's talking about with our, uh, with our creative. I was just seeing something discussed on one of the creative ideas channels this morning. And I, I, I don't have this app, but this Be Real app. Uh, I haven't even experienced it yet, but I was seeing that we're starting to see some ads that sort of utilize that format on TikTok. Is that something that we've tested on any uh, any client accounts? I haven't tested it yet, but definitely would look to. Yeah. And how, do you have Be Real? Um, yeah. <laughs> do. The way it works is it kind of goes off as a notification and you have to like capture exactly what you're doing in that moment. So it's like a perfect... Um, like sort of photo dump opportunity where you can just show the product in a thousand different ways and it feels extra organic, even though obviously you're taking both the pictures. But that's usually how I see it done in ads. It'll just be like a bunch of pictures really fast because they don't actually do like video. If you're out there and you know what Be Real is, maybe you can test an an ad that looks like it. Um, So where are we at right now in terms of our runway for Black Friday, Cyber Monday? We're still, we're obviously innovating. We're building our base. What, how else do we think about, let's, you know, we're September 20th. This is my event week. Really excited about that. But September 20th, where are we in our process towards this big Q4 ramp up, Spencer? Well, it always starts early. Absolutely. It it definitely starts early. And like, it comes with the, with the testing, uh, as we talked about. But then also just like a little bit of planning with like, how are we going to fill fill the funnels and how are we realistically going to fill fill the funnels, which kind of comes down to the buying strategy of like, it would be awesome if if we were back in 2019 and we had perfect tracking and we could uh, hit all the people that were adding to cart. But like the, realistically, it's not particularly that reliable <laughs> for those that, that have been on the app and like have bought on TikTok before. The hit rate isn't that great. You don't really get that that many people uh, into your audience when you're trying to retarget people based off of added cart or lower funnels. So it kind of makes you open up and think, okay, how can I pre-qualify people on the video side and on like the pre-click side so that they get to a certain part of the video? And then how do you uh, fill that audience to then retarget them after? It's it's be, kind of become a pretty standard uh, retargeting strategy, I'd say, of just like stacking the video views and you can test out a different video uh, view lengths. And then you can also add in like the lower funnel stuff, although it drops off pretty quickly as soon as they leave the app, just like the size of the audience that is. So at this point in, in end of Q3, we can really start looking at, at our creative and go, how can we make an awesome piece of creative that like pre-qualifies people once they get past like the 10 second mark of being like, if they're not interested in flower pots, we're, we don't want them why even retarget them if they're not interested at that point? So get them interested. If they get to the 20 second mark of that video, then we're like, perfect. They got eyeballs on it. That's now an amazing audience that can be quite large that we're then going to be looking to retarget later on. And then it can kind of come in with the messaging. And if you can change the messaging and do callbacks, that's that's really the point that we're at now. 20 seconds sounds good because that's long enough to hook them in with something random and maybe not like you want them to not feel like it's an ad kind of in that beginning. So some content based thing. But then within that 20 seconds, you also want to make sure they know that what you're selling so that they can qualify themselves as a, as a quality audience member. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's tough to get people to 
watch that far through. Like, especially if you have very branded content or like you're pushing like a sale or something like that, you'd be looking at like three second average view times and it's like, cool. But then it still works on like the, on the sales side because it's pre-qualifying people. We kind of find that the best uh, average view time is around like four, four and a half seconds. But then if you start getting a little bit too long, where like we see some amazing ads where the average view time is like six, seven seconds, and it looks great, it's amazing to see, but it's almost so so organic that uh, the conversion rate starts dropping away. Um, because people like almost get to the end and, and they don't know it's an ad, which is a little bit counterintuitive to what we've talked about before. But if they get to that, that end point and then you're like, and here's the sale, but then they thought it was just like someone showing off, I don't know, their, their baking recipe or something like that, it could, we have seen that, that it, it has a lower conversion rate. So it's almost like a balance. It's a little bit more specific, but um, there is definitely a balance when we're looking at like where the creative lays in the average view time. Here's my question. So it, between now and, and the, big, the big heavy days of Q4, <clears throat> it's a lot of weeks, a lot of time. So my, my one question is like, how long, when we talk about these innovative flash-ups where we, where we innovate, we find something that really, really trends, does really well. Question one is like, how long does that last for? And then question two is like, how do you make sure you're not blowing all your good angles before the Super Bowl, essentially. And question three, I'm just going to try to add all three in here, is can we just like, for like when it comes to Christmas, can you can we just take all of our like winning angles and like add a bow to them so that they feel like Christmas? What do you think about that? <laughs> okay. Um, I'm trying to remember what the... What you question mean? one is how long do the, does, innovative, does an innovative flash last before you're looking for your next hit? It can be quick. It can be quick. Like, it can die off extremely quickly, and we have to be conscious of that when we're testing. I can let Avery get, get into, like, how we kind of build up for, like, those big days. But, like, as a buyer, like, I need to be realistic on TikTok that if we find, like, a killer angle, it's possible that it has a flash of success for a week to two weeks, you know? And that's, like, quite good. And it's, like, we found that. And so we have to balance between testing too early and things dying off before like our highest converting rate, converting days like Black Friday and starting too late and not finding any success, not finding any winners. We could find some like small little flames, but no flamethrower, you know? So we, we kind of have that balance and then it comes to us working with our CMs and our content teams about building the library. Maybe I can get, let Avery kind of talk about that. Yeah, I think, um like to sort of be preparing at this stage would just be like testing like angles like I said earlier identifying those winners that you can just like get weird with later on um so doing a bunch of angle testing at this point and then also um TikTok is such a content monster like it always wants more so figuring out how you can get content um that's diverse and you can use it in a thousand different ways. Um, that's been something that I've been working on with my clients, just like trying to build up a library of great shots that I know can be used for like multiple trends, if that makes sense, as they come around. So I'm not in a situation like two days before Black Friday, this new trend pops up. I need B-roll of the product like at an arm's length and don't have it. So setting that kind of stuff up so down the road, you're not like um, scrambling for content and you just sort of have things that you can easily pull in and use. Once an innovative angle has flared up, 
do you find that you can add longevity to it? This is kind of question three by reskinning it, by adding new aspects to it due to the season or the weather or, or things like that. Or like once, once that innovation has like run its course, is it, will it work again in Q4 or are you going to have to find new themes on the same creatives that work now? And like the um, sort of iterative creative side, there's like a thousand different ways you can sort of like chop up a piece of TikTok content. And there's also not a thousand, but there's quite a few different signals you can look at um, to make each iteration stronger. So like Spencer was talking about watch through rate. Um, if I have people watching the video for like six, seven seconds, that's a huge amount of time on TikTok. But if they're not buying, um, that will kind of lend some signals to ways I can change it up. Um, and changing up can be like you said, adding a bow and like putting on a Christmassy outfit um, and redoing it, but sort of like making your sales call out a little bit stronger. So you're not getting people who are just like, oh, I thought this was a video I'm going to drop off. And then, for example, like if you see people aren't really watching through um, and you've got like a super short watch through rate, you can think about like at the beginning, how can I get a little bit weirder um, and catch people's attention a little bit more? So sort of like looking at different signals is where I go when I have something that's working to try to figure out like how to make it live a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, Spencer, if you want to talk about like so the buying strategies there. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a funny question, Eric, but it kind of does like to use the term again, wrap the concept of innovating in a bow that if you have like a winning piece of content, then you put a little bow on it. It's like, is that going to work from our experience? It could a bit of a cop out that I say it could, but I, what I mean by that is like if we try it out for Halloween, for example, we find an angle and then we put, instead of a bow, we put a little spider web on it, just use that as the, as the sample, and it crushes, and then we go, perfect, that's a great strategy that we're going to use, and then we put everything into that for, uh, uh, for Christmas, it could just flop. It simply could, and we've seen it happen time and time again with like that kind of uh, testing in mind. So we always have that base of like perfect, use that as the base. We know that this had worked in the past, but we can't just sit around and hope that this works again. TikTok users like new things. The audiences that, that we hit, typically we could like hit them again. Like it's, it's likely that we're gonna hit that audience again. They'll like have seen that style, they want something new. And so that's where the fresh styles come in. And then we always have that base of how did it work on Halloween? How did it work in, in, at Christmas, as an example? And then bump that up and uh, against all the new stuff that we're testing. I think you just need to get weirder with it. You need to put this the spider in a Santa hat, uh, and then it's you know it'll be it'll it'll tick that weird box and it'll be seasonal. use them for both too. Yeah, use them both. Just just <laughs> Santa hats on spiders for Halloween. Let's there's there's no rules anymore, guys. D2C marketers, let's get real. How many hours have you wasted searching for brand influencers only to come up empty-handed? It's time to stop spending time searching, scrolling, and haggling with influencers and start using creator marketing with hashtag paid. With hashtag paid, you can find your perfect creator match for your brand in less than 10 minutes every time. Getting started is easy. Just select your audience and campaign objectives, pick from a short list of creators, and hit run. It's just that easy. There's a reason why Hashtag Paid is the number one rated influencer marketing platform for D2C brands. And as a D2C podcast listener, you can even get up to $500 in account credit until September 30th for your first campaign. 
just go to go.hashtagpaid.com slash DTCpod to get started. Let's talk a little bit about dark posting. We talk about whitelisting. We talk about dark posting on this podcast. We probably defined it a bunch of different times. Um, we call it dark posting on TikTok. Uh, why and how should brands be using it strategically on TikTok, Spencer? So whitelisting it has always been, or has been something for the past like handful of months that advertisers are using. TikTok doesn't call them dark posting or, or whitelisting. They just call them spark ads. And just as of recently, they've kind of just like quietly been releasing features that allow you to not just whitelist, but to allow you to dark, uh, to dark post. And let's, let's, uh, let's define it one more time for the audience here. So whitelisting is when you, you advertise through a, a creator or advertiser's handle or someone else's handle. You advertise your product to your page and it shows up on their feed. It shows up as one of their organic videos um, that, that they posted. That's what whitelisting means. Whereas dark posting means you make a deal where you can do the same thing. You advertise through someone's handle, but it doesn't show up on their organic creator's feed. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. And TikTok, I don't think, has specified the term, like, one versus the other. So we just kind of have to, like, as advertisers come together and go, TikTok, <laughs> spark, dark posting ads. You guys know what we're talking about. That sounds cool. <laughs> yeah. And just as recently, they've um, kind of, like, allowed the, these features so that you can dark post, which is huge. Because we've tested a lot of um, spark ads in the whitelisting form, and it has its limitations. It obviously can have quite a bit of social proof behind it and uh, the likes and the comments, but you're limited by pretty much variety testing, which is what is so strong about testing in standard ads is that variety testing and testing out five different voiceovers with three different popular songs, for example. But you, you're not going to put up 10 different videos to somebody's organic page. And this has been something that, that we're really looking to test out which is the dark posting features. We released uh, a note, I believe, through you guys, like through the DTC newsletter on how to actually, how to make these dark posts happen. But pretty much you just post it organically, but then leave it as private. And then within that video post on your organic, you can then go through the, the share settings and um, there's like some features that, that are some checkboxes that allow you to use it while it's still in private mode and you can get those codes and then test them out. And so you have the benefit of this organic looking page, uh, this organic looking ad, which comes like a, another benefit and which we're really looking to use as like one of our innovations, which is another feature that TikTok has recently come out with, which is before when you click on the profile picture or the username of the ad, of a Spark ad, it just brings you to the person's organic page. And then from there, you can like go and check out your own stuff. You can go through the link in the bio if there is one. And you know, it's, it's done okay. But then now when you go to the, when you click on those links and it goes to the organic page, there's like a 70, 30 split between the website link and their organic page. So it's still, you still see that you're on their organic page. You can click off it and go see theirs, but 70% of the uh, of your screen is taken up by the regular URL link. And so uh, we've already seen this be a boost in our performance and we really like it. And then paired with the variety testing that, that we get on uh, the dark posting side, that's an amazing feature. It's an amazing feature. And if you, especially if you do have an organic presence, add it to your list, use it. 
it's a big unlock. And as you say, you're not going to allow someone to test, like to, to do what we do, what Avery does, you need to be able to iterate and you're not going to want as a creator to have all those iterations thrown up on your feed. Whereas with dark sparking, as I'm trying to make it trend now, it sounds like we should just call it dark, like dark sparking sounds really cool. You know, dark posting, then you can just make sure that, you know, you're, you're still able to iterate and still have all the benefits of whitelisting, but not, not sort of affecting their feed. So I think it's a big, Eric, I think big, I have to urban dictionary dark sparking just to make sure it's nothing. Actually, you know what? Let's weird. not, let's just not <laughs> move along. We'll just keep calling it dark posting and uh, we won't have any issues there. Anything to add every on the uh, whitelisting dark sparking side? No, basically, as you said, like it just gives you so much more um, freedom to iterate, um, which is what how we find our best winners. So it's definitely like a huge unlock to be able to do that. And honestly, like we say this on All Killer No Filler almost every week, but there's a, almost all of our clients' ads, a good chunk of the ad revenue that's being spent is being spent through influencers, through whitelisted handles, through dark posting, spark posting. So if you're if you're not doing that, if you're just running through your brand's handle, now is really the time to start building out the infrastructure and the relationships that you need to start testing whitelisting and uh, and dark posting just because it's it just creates that other look in your feed. And it's something that you really want to have set up before Black Friday, Cyber Monday, I imagine. What else do we have to say on the media buying side, Spencer? Like what, um, like we were talking about Evergreen versus innovation on the creative side, but on uh, on the actual media buying campaign structure side of things, is there is there a lot of innovation happening uh, right now still? Yeah, absolutely. I said it again and again, we have like the base and, and the strategy that we have works really well for getting people off the ground. And just kind of getting you that like evergreen effort, if you will. But especially with the state that the TikTok algorithm's at right now, it really does thrive off of you just throwing new features at it, throwing new buying strategies at it. And so it like almost doubles down our note of innovate during Q4 because you're just gonna be hitting like, if you're just hitting the same buying strategy as everyone else, it's just, you're not gonna be squeezing all the juice out of that lemon that you could. Uh, and a great example of that is just within the audiences. So, especially from like a Facebook background, we really do rely on on Facebook knowing like the perfect audience, ma- like match with the perfect title for that audience. You know, golf people are going to be interested in golf, and we have seen like some connection to that for the TikTok algorithm, but it's not perfect. It's like if you do have like a golf product and you go and search up golf, like it could do well, and you go, okay, this is like the audience that we have to hit. Obviously, golf, golf that's like what we're just going to be hitting and like testing all of our new creative with. But then what we found is that you can't always trust the algorithm when it comes to the audiences. And so always testing new audiences, even if it doesn't seem right, uh, you can still find new pockets hitting new people. That's also huge is just hitting new people with, with the ads. And so just like constantly be, be testing your audiences, do like variety tests on like broad or like balanced audiences because I think it'll really, really surprise a lot of people once they do open up those balanced audiences and like test out random, like one that does quite well for us is appliances. I don't know why. It's pretty consistent, but it's not like we have an appliance brand that we work with. It just is an audience that we found has done really well. And we've only found that because when we tested the first audiences that were uh, very logical and then opened it up afterwards, we found, oh, we were able to, to squeeze way more performance out of these stranger audiences than, than not. That's, that's one example. And then it comes to like, then there's like new f- 
features that come out all the time. The uh, the dark sparking, as, as you say, is a great example of that. There's there's a ton of those. Another great example that I think is going to be huge during Q4 and especially will help you like stand out from the rest is display cards. Display cards are one of the features that that have come out and it's been out for a little bit, but then just as of recently, we've seen a real nice turn in in performance. And it's just an interactive add-on feature, which there's like three to five different different types. And like some of them have, some of them have like stickers that just like go right onto the ad uh, that you can put like your promo code on. Some have a countdown timer to the end of the sale, and display cards is one of those. And we've tested them all out. There's a lot of features that simply just don't work. That's all right. We test, we innovate, we try to see what works, and display cards are one of them that, that do work. It's a timed banner where after a little bit it's what it comes up along with like when like the usual like CTA comes up towards the bottom, like the shop now or whatever. It comes in like four seconds in, and you can make pretty much like a banner that comes up and you can just push whatever you want in there. Ours is usually like the sales, it obviously is a bit more branded. But we found that testing that against just like the standard creative that we've been testing, on days we've been able to half our CPAs with this strategy and with this, with this new tool. And especially around a time when you're just competing against everybody else's creative and you're competing against everybody else's discounts, this is, could be an amazing way to stand out, especially with the customization that you can have on these display cards. So that's just one more thing that you can add to your, to your toolkit. And it sounds like it strikes the balance that we were talking about earlier of, you know, then it allows your creative maybe to be a little weirder, a little more content based. If you've got this banner that goes over it, that lets people know that, hey, this is an offer. It's a great offer and it ends soon. Maybe that really helps you find the balance of like being an ad versus being content as well. Absolutely nailed it. Absolutely nailed it, Eric. You're becoming a bit of a pro. Starting to get your, get your feelers out there for TikTok. I was going to say, like, I, I really, I resonate with this idea that like, whether you fall, if you fall into an audience bucket, like I watch golf videos, but just because it's mainly for like the ASMR of the, like the schwack and like I, I golf when I'm not in the market for golf, like I'll watch a lot of shit cause it's interesting, but it doesn't necessarily mean I'm, I'm in that consumer market. So I can see why testing is so critical. One last note to even kind of end this on. I don't know that every agency has the position that Avery fills like, and it's just so central to how pilot house works. And I think Avery, you just spoke to it earlier about how you're you're a creative, uh, you know, you're you're driving the the creative output for a lot of these campaigns, but you're also very much in the analytics side of things. So you're like you're not just a creative off making fun stuff. You're constantly using data to inform the kinds of creatives you, that you make and the kinds of angles you make. Um, can you talk a little bit about that creative data sort of blend that you have? Yeah, one of my favorite things in the world to talk about. I say it to like every fresh client that I meet with, I'm not here to make like really cute, fun ads for no reason. I typically build out a spreadsheet and I measure every single individual element of a piece of creative. So I mean like, is there captions? How long is it? What's the CTA? Where physically on the ad is the CTA? And I measure all of these elements um, so that they inform each next piece of creative just to make it better. And kind of a nothing's ever like a surefire shot that it's going to win. Uh, but I always say like, I don't like shooting in the dark. So having these kind of spreadsheets and stuff is like a bit of a flashlight in the dark. <laughs> it's not perfect, but it helps you sort of like steady yourself a little bit. Um, so yeah, just sort of marrying the two, um, on TikTok too, it is a little bit more tempting, I guess, to like see a trend and be like, that looks really fun. That looks really cool. 
But if I can't figure out immediately how like my product's strategic advantage would be represented to like through that trend, then I just sort of forget about it. Um, it's like a really fun place to play as someone who's creative. But like I said, if I can't immediately see how my angle would fit into a trend, I just let it go, let it pass. Um, I think it's better to sit things out and then to try to force something and just make a bad ad. But yeah, like I said, just sort of always measuring things against each other. So you're kind of working within like two minds where I'm like looking at these spreadsheets, but then also hopping out um, and thinking of like really weird creative things to do. And like I said, especially on TikTok, it's kind of like a trust fall. Like making weird scrappy content is way more difficult than making branded content. So you really just have to sort of like trust that that's what the platform requires and just like have fun with it too, which sounds really cliche, <laughs> but the more fun I have like making up an ad and conceptualizing it while still looking at that data, the better it usually performs on TikTok. So I feel like that really like shines through that good time. A real, a real spark in the dark. Uh, just tying it all up in a neat bow here. Uh, to, to end things off, I know the TikTok team at Pilot House it has a promo that I believe is ending at the end of this month. Um, and if you want to work with Spencer and Aves on some exciting, weird, data-driven TikTok campaigns and creatives, uh, you should sign up this month because the media buying fee is waived for the first month of working with this all-star team. So you want to take advantage of that deal while it lasts. You can go to pilothouse.co, fill out a form there. Just say, hey, I want to work with the TikTok team. I heard all about it on All Killer No Filler. And uh, we'll go from there. Thanks for coming on today, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks so much, Eric. Always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you're not getting the D2C newsletter, you can subscribe for free at directtoconsumer.co. And if you want to learn more about Pilot House's all-killer, no-filler services, take off to pilothouse.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.